I just had a little war with my mask. It refused to, uh, refused to come out. It, was just, it just got caught there, and uh, I had a little bit of a fight. Welcome to Undone. Thank you, Aaron, for that powerful um, hope story. Thank you. Thank you, team. Thank you, and I hope that, and we pray that you will run to the Father again and again and again. I, hope that, well, I pray that you don't run to anyone else. You don't run to anything else, you run to the Father. That's where our hope is. So welcome to part five of our series, Rebel Jesus. Um, if you've been following this story, Ben kicked this off in week one, where he laid out who, why we named this Rebel Jesus, or why was Jesus a rebel? And it, he said, in order for someone to be a rebel, you need three things. You need a cause a conflict, and a cost. Jesus had all of that for a heart. He had a, a cause, a conflict, and a cost. In week two, we had from Winnie Heron, who spoke on um, superiority. Sorry, I'm, I've been struggling to say that word all week. But uh, she, um, she said that we shouldn't look down on other people. We, should all, we, should, you know, we shouldn't look down. We shouldn't use our status or anything to look down on people. In week three, we had Joel spoke to us on generational differences. And our every generation in the house has something to offer. Last week, we heard from Pastor Steve who brought to us the rich young ruler. And he talked about wealth. Tonight, I'm going to continue on, the, on part five, and I'm looking at bias and lack of inclusion. I hope you've had dinner tonight, because we're going to be here till 10 o'clock tonight, African style, so let's do this. Now, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're not going to be here. I don't know why you're here tonight. Perhaps you think you, you have come because you've heard I'm, I'm preaching. Thank you for coming. Or perhaps you, you've come here thinking that I've had some deep, personal stories of that of lack of inclusion or bias. But I'm not going to lie here tonight. I'm going to say my life so far in my 16 years of living in Australia has, that, has been a blessing. Everyone has opened their doors and welcomed me. Phil Beeston, who is sitting here, one of our elders, I remember used to pick me up um, for my first music practice here. His little boy, Zach, who is now towering over me, was only a baby in the capsule at the back of the car. Or Pastor Steve pulling me in as, you know, as that father figure, encouraging me and giving me, you know, giving me advice on how to be a husband and how to be a father. Or the fairs. The fairs doors was always open to me. I remember when I finished college, I used to go home, put my bag, and run down to the fairs house. Like a true African, just walk into the front door, walk into the music room, and start playing the drums. I don't even go and say hello or anything, and Anne Fair will just come around the corner and say, hi, Oliver. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, but I know that most people don't have this story. And I don't want to take away from that. But I'm also not going to lie here and say that has been um, my story. And that's not what I want to look at tonight. What I want to look at tonight is a story, an encounter with a woman in, um, at the well with Jesus. But before we get there, there are two exercises that I've got tonight. It's okay. I'm not going to ask you to run around the building. That's not what Pastor Steve and Phil would have loved that, but that's not what we're doing. Um, what I'm going to ask you to do tonight is this. I want you to turn to the person next to you. 
And I want you to define what the word bias means to you. Not what you've heard on social media, not what you've heard um, in, in someone has said to you. In your world, what does bias mean? So I'm going to give you about 20 or 30 seconds to do that. So turn to the person next to you, and I want you to um, just define what that means to you. All right, I think that's, that's, that, that will about do it. That's about 10, 30 seconds, I think, <laughs> or less than. What did you come up with? Any, anyone wants to shout? Anyone wants to just tell me quickly what in their own world? Any, any takers? Anyone? Anyone? No? Yes, Joel? You favor that thing. If you're biased on something, you favor that thing. Thank you, Joel. Now, the second one I want you to look at is exclusion. Now, what I want you to, if, this, if it's okay, I want you to turn to the person next to you and share a story from your life where you felt excluded. It could have been to a meeting. It could have been to a sport team. I want you to turn to someone next to you and just share a little bit. And then when you do that, I want you to use one word to share how you felt on the inside. Let's go. <laughs> All right. I want you to just, if you can, just throw at me one adjective to describe how you felt when you were excluded. Anyone? Throw something at me. How did you feel? Hadassah, how did you feel? That's my daughter. Sad. She felt sad. Anyone else? Any uh, word? Any words? Throw them at me. Sorry? Rejected. Disappointed, I heard someone said as well. All right, so the first one, bias. Let me just define what this means. It means a strong inclination of the mind or a preconceived opinion about something or someone. A bias may be favorable or unfavorable, like Joel said before. What about prejudice? Now, prejudice and bias are interchangeable. It means preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. The word prejudice comes from the Latin pre, which means before, and judge. We all know what that means. Um, the word prejudice is often used when we don't like, when we dislike another group of people or someone who looks different than us. So, how did Jesus confront this? Okay. We'll pick the story up in John chapter 4, verses 4 to 26. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this is what I'm just going to do. I'm, going to talk on, I'm just going to talk about some of the highlights in there. You see, in this story, we encountered Jesus with a woman at the well, a Samaritan woman at the well. Who was this Samaritan woman? Well, most of you, if you know that story, you will know she was a, a sinner, she had a lot of she's had a lot of husband and five and in fact the one she was living with wasn't her husband and here was Jesus at the well asking her for water 
We read in, in John chapter 4, verse 27, that when his disciples came back, they were shocked to find him talking to such a woman. So I ask, okay, why do the Samaritans and the Jews don't like each other? In order for us to understand what was happening here and the shock factor, we have to go back to the, to the Old Testament. And we find their story in the book of Kings, chapter 17. And I'll, again, I'll encourage you to read that. You see, the Samaritans once lived in a land that belonged to Ephraim and Manasseh in Israel. Now, Ephraim and Manasseh were the sons of Joseph. And Joseph was the son of Jacob. Um, Jacob adopted them um, to become his son. Why is this important? I'll get back to that in a moment. The capital, Samaria, was a city occupied from people from a, from a wide variety of nations after the defeat of Israel. But that wasn't the only thing. Over time, Israel, um, Israel the people who remained in Israel, married foreigners. Does everyone know what the word foreigner means? Okay, let me give you a bit of an education on that. Before I became a citizen, I will, when I came to this country in 2005, I would have been classified a foreigner. I am married to Alicia, my beautiful wife sitting over there. I am of, of an African descent with a dark skin. Alicia is of, she's Dutch, or, well, Dutch descent with, of a white skin. The Jews looked down on these people because of that. Over time, they intermarry, and, and so they had mixed race. They did not like that. The Jews did not like that. Apart from that, the city of Samaria was also known at that time for harboring um, criminals. It had a bad reputation. In the book of jo I mean, in Joshua, you read that. But something was about to change here. Let's bring it, I'm going back to the story now of, um, of Jesus and the woman of Samaria. From what we can read, there's a whole list of why these guys, the Jews and the, and the Samaritans don't mix. And Jesus was a Jew, and he should have known that he should not be talking to a Samaritan, especially a woman, at a well. It wasn't okay. What are you doing, Jesus? Come on. There are a couple of things we learned from this woman, apart from being married to, set, to, certain, um, to several husbands. Another thing as well, she, she was despised by others. Going to fetch water in the middle of the day wasn't done back then. And by herself, wasn't, wasn't a culturally acceptable at that time. When I was in Africa, the house we lived in, we had a well in there. Now, if you don't have an experience with well, they are very, very deep. And in order for you to get water out of a well, you need a bucket. And with that bucket, you need a rope. You need to throw the, the, the bucket all the way down and you have to pull it out to get water. And it's exhausting, physically exhausting. You don't do it in the middle of the day. It's very hot. And this was also done by mostly women and children. You either do it early in the morning or late at night, but not middle of the day. So this woman fetching water by herself in the middle of the day tells us that she was already an outcast. She had no social standing because this was done, it was, a, it was a social thing for the women of the day. They all come together, this is where they do their gossiping or talk about each other, their husbands, their kids, and so this woman was just by herself. 
Jesus should have known that. And before Jesus got to this well, if we go back, he said, Jesus felt in his spirit he had to go here. Salvation was going to come to this woman today, but she didn't know it. Salvation was going to come to her. Jesus was going to confront these spies and this exclusion right on. And his disciples, they were Jesus, the King of Kings, and they were missing this. How many times do we miss what Jesus is doing because we are so focused on what we can see? We are so focused on what is going on in someone else's life. So there were certain things that Jesus did. Jesus had to find a common ground. So what is our common ground? Well, the well. The well was a common ground. So I mentioned Jacob before. Um, Jacob, when he was traveling, um, rest at, at this, this particular spot where this well was. And that's where he, was fe- that's where he, he fed, waters to, fed water to the servant and to his livestock. So both the, Jew, the Jews and, the, and Samaritans they understood and they loved Jacob. The Samaritans um, accepted the Torah, which was the first five book of the Bible, and the Jews also accepted it. So they, all, they both understood who Jacob was. So the well was the common ground for both of these people. Jesus used the well that both of them understood, that both, they, they both understood what it meant to bring salvation. My question to you is tonight, What is the common ground can you find with someone who you disagree with? Have you got such a long list of why you should not include that person? Have you got such a long list of preconceived idea of what you think that person is that you exclude them? What is the common ground you can find? Jesus could have gone to Samaria and just preached there and, you know, people would have come to Christ, but one way that would have offended the Jews, <laughs> and Jesus didn't come to, cr- to create conflict, he came to point us back to God. So he used a common ground for that, which was the well. The challenge for us is to be continually, re- be continually in tune with God. We have to continue to be in tune of what God is doing right now. Not what, we th- not what we know yesterday, but right now. In the book of Romans 12, it says we need to be, Paul challenges that we need to be, uh, you know, we need to let our mind be renewed daily so that we are readily available of what God is going to do. How can we find a common ground? How can you find a common ground this week? If you're in school, how can you invite someone in? Maybe during lunchtime, someone is sitting by themselves. How can you invite? What's the common ground? What's common that you can invite that person in? If you're at uni, maybe you disagree with someone on a particular topic. What is the common ground you're going to use so that that person is not excluded, doesn't feel excluded? Most of the time, Jesus used the simple things to bring salvation, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. So why? Why would Jesus, why would Jesus confront bias and exclusion? Well, there are a few things. God's God's love and good news is for everyone. 
It's not for you. It's not just for you. It's not just for me. It's for that politician that you've been mouthing. It's, from that, it's for that person that you've been having that constant war in social media. The good news is for everyone. You see, the Jews said they love God, but they excluded others. To love God is to know love. And if we know love, then we know that God's love is for everyone. It says so in the book of 1 Corinthians 13, 1. Also, Jesus was confronting this because we are all created in the image of God. This is just, this, the color of my skin, the color of your skin, just because I'm a man, it means nothing to God. He created all of us in his image. And therefore, therefore, the good news is for all of everyone. His love, he loved us immersely. In the book of Ephesians 5, 2, he said, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. What are you willing to sacrifice in order to include someone? I'm not saying compromise on the word of God. I'm not encouraging us to do that. But what are some of the surface things that you're holding on to that is excluding others? I'm asking this question to myself. You know, my wife, Alicia, is so, she's incredible at this. We've got five kids, right? And she's, well, six if including me, but you know. But she's always has time to invite others in, especially single moms. She has this incredible heart. I will come home from work, and there's about 10 different bikes in our driveway, and, and there's kids everywhere in the backyard just jumping and going crazy. I was like, where are they from? <laughs> She's always encouraging someone, even though sometimes she, she may be running down. She always has this incredible to bring others in. Also, the greatest of this, God has commanded us to love our neighbor. In Leviticus 19, 18, we know this is a part of the Ten Commandments, to love one another. You know, for the Jews, they probably would have interpreted this as, okay, someone who I worship with at the temple, someone who eats the same food as me, someone who speaks the same language, but that's not what is happening here. The command is to love, love your neighbor. That means anyone. And everyone. I will invite the band up. My question for us and the challenge for us is, what biases do we have about migrants? What preconceived ideas do you already have about migrants? About single mothers? Single fathers? People struggling with mental issues? What have you made up in your mind about them that is excluding, that you're excluding them out of your company? Even in your own friendship circle right now, take stock of who is in there and who isn't and why they are not. Is your friendship circle the same in week in, week out? What can you do to include others in that friendship circle? Jesus' disciples were so caught up with the scene, 
the norms, the traditions. They were missing what God was doing right there. Are we the same? Are we so caught up in what others may say that we're excluding others? Am I excluding others because of the way they sound, because of the way they worship, because of the way they look? Church, who are we intentionally excluding because they don't get social cues? They are loud. They are messy. Jesus looked past all of this. He looked past all of that. I mean, look at, look at the record of this woman. Jesus didn't judge her on that. Jesus found a common, what he built relationship first. He asked her, can you give me water to drink? Who are you willing to sit with and journey with so that you can share the gospel and include them? Church, I pray that we find a common ground this week with those who we disagree with because the good news is for everyone and exclusion and bias is no place in the kingdom of God.